Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. What a super wild card weekend it was. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. And pardon the pun here for the teams that lost on Super Wild Card Weekend. They're going to literally have to grin and bear it. That, of course, includes Chicago, who had a huge opportunity, fellas, yesterday if you were watching the game. Tony Romo said on CBS they're going to have to try some razzle-dazzle because who they were missing and who the opposition was, knowing that Kamara and Michael Thomas, Andrew Brees were all out there. The Bears tried it, fellas. Mitchell Trubisky, a little double reverse, threw it downfield to Javon Wims. Jim Nance on the call said he just didn't make miss the catch. Yeah. Just make the catch. Yeah, got to make the catch, Zubin, man. Yeah. You got to think that you got to think that that's something precious that's falling out of the sky and you got to save it. You just got to you got to figure out how to make the catch. As my boy Andre Rising would say, Jay Will, they out there dropping Bentleys and stuff, man. What's wrong with them? <laughs> And it wasn't just dropped. It was whiffed, as Nan said. It literally went right through his hand. So, Key, it's sort of a microcosm of the Bears in general. They needed things to go right. They didn't. They had a six-game losing streak in the middle of the season, backed into the playoffs, and now they're back in the truck on their way out with questions abound. Where do you see the Bears right now? And after you give us your thoughts, we got a really interesting poll question this morning on three playoff teams that won. Well, well, first of all, Wims, the young man that dropped that football, he didn't sleep good at night, right? I mean, he sat on that plane all the way back from New Orleans to Chicago, uh, not feeling good. And I'm sure throughout the night he was on his left side, his right side, his backside. He set up. He put his hands on his forehead. He set up. He probably paced the house a few times because it doesn't feel good in that moment. Um, you know, all he, if, if he takes his hands, Jay Will, you know, he dropped the ball because his pinkies, first of all, were not together. So you got to put your pinkies together. You got to take your elbows and put them together. But he had his left and his right elbow out, and that's what he formed, a big hole in the bucket. So it went straight through. It went straight through to the bottom of the ground. If he closes his elbows and pinkies, now if it, if it drops – if it let's say it hits in between his elbows and it drops, he has a second chance and opportunity to catch it with his hands. But you know, here's a young man that came into the game with only six catches on the year. So putting him in that spot, it just it you know them lights get bright out there. And as far as Mr. Trubisky goes, you know he made some nice throws in the game. Um, but Matt Nagy's decision to go away from him early in the season in my opinion, has still haunted this team in the end. Although they were missing some players on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, they missed some guys, some key guys on the offensive side of the ball. It put them behind the eight ball when they were 3-0, and and he decided to go to Nick Foles, in my opinion. Zubin, before you get to your poll question, Key, can I vent to you for a second about Matt Nagy? Because I was watching the game yesterday, and I wrote it down. Just to expound upon your point about going away from Mitchell Trubisky and then the whole Nick Foles scenario, going into this game against the Saints, you didn't really expect to be there, right? I mean, you made the playoffs. Backdoored. Backdoored. However way you got in there, right? You have nothing to lose. You play to win. Into the first half, 7-3. to I wrote it down, 149 remaining before the half. You get the ball 
at the start of the second half. You're in your own 23-yard line, right? You go for it. You, you play to attack. You play to win. There was a five-yard run by Montgomery, second down, three-yard run by Montgomery, third down, third and two, okay? No gain by Ryan Nolte. Why don't you play aggressively to go for it? Why do you play this conservative style of football? Let Mitchell Trubisky play. You play to win. I don't understand a lot of the reasoning for Matt Nagy and his decision-making throughout the course of this game. I know that Mims dropped the ball, but still, you play aggressive to win this type of game. You don't play conservative. I don't understand that type of reasoning. Can you help me with that? Is there a reasoning behind that? I don't know why he coached the way he coached. I have no idea. But when you get to manageable downs on third down, third and two, you got a whole call sheet that gives you a lot of different opportunities to pick up two yards and to try to get points on the board, given the fact that you've got to score points against this New Orleans team because you know New Orleans can score. Uh, Maybe you're coaching scared. I I don't know. I'm not – he's never coached me. I've never been around him to know how his style of coaching is. I only can see from afar, and it looked like to me – you're coaching scared opposed to being aggressive, like you said, because you have nothing to lose. I mean, you you play, you 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 tried the flea flicker or the, the reverse pass. You know, you were aggressive in that approach, but in other approaches you were not. And we should ask you right before we ask you the poll question this morning, which I think is going to engender a lot of discussion. Let me tell you about what's coming up this morning on Greeny a little bit later today. That'll be at 10 a.m. Eastern here on many of these ESPN radio stations. They follow Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Today, Greeny talks to the Hall of Famer LaDainian Tomlinson and take you inside the stories of the day as only Mike Ken. From Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin right into Greeny every morning right here on ESPN radio. And so he will talk to the Hall of Famer this morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. So here's the question, fellas. I want everybody, the fellas and the ladies, listening this morning or watching to weigh in. I want to get your thoughts real quick to start the discussion. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776, Key J and Z on Twitter. Simple. Which 2018 first-round quarterback proved the most to you in the Super Wild Card weekend? Was it the number one overall pick, Baker, who got his first playoff win, Was it the bookend, the final pick of the first round in 2018, Lamar, who got his first playoff win? Or was it the guy in the middle, Josh Allen, who picked up his first playoff win? Baker, Allen, Lamar, different expectations, different draft spots, different paths in their career to this point. But which one proved the most to you over the weekend? Fellas, Key, what do you think? I think it's Lamar. Uh, Lamar had probably the most critics that are out there that starting from draft day where he should have played another position to, which is funny to me, including people like you, Zubin, that – I never said he should play wide No, no, not receiver. <laughs> Didn't say receiver. But people like you that says, oh, yeah, he won any playoff games, which is true up until yesterday, but he had only played in two in a short, you know, 0-2, two years in the National Football League, and now he wins his third try – which to me was a lot to prove because when they were down 10-0 in the first quarter, I could hear everybody saying they're not going to come from behind 10-0, even though it was the first quarter. It wasn't the fourth quarter. But he went out there, he played hella football, you know, completed 70% of his passes. The guy accounted for 300 and something yards of total offense. I mean, it's just, what can you say? 
Yeah, Key, I would agree with you. I, I go with Lamar. I mean, people people act like he held the NFL hostage and, and forced the NFL to give him that MVP trophy. Like, look, he had a phenomenal season, but still relatively extremely young in the big scheme of things. And for him yesterday, the maturity that he showed in that game, even the fourth quarter, staying in bounds on that last run, right, letting the time continue to dwindle out. Like, that's a decision last year. Maybe he would have went out of bounds. He would have been thinking correctly. Just the, the overall maturity was something that was so spectacular to watch, and it was good to see him get over that hump, get over that hurdle, because most of the time, you know, people love to break other people down when they have success and things aren't going your way. Your ability to continue to fight through that and persevere persevere, excuse me, speaks volumes about him. Well, Josh Allen was impressive as well, um, but I expected to see what I saw from Josh Allen just because he had been playing well for the most part of the year in terms of throwing the ball. He has Stephon Diggs. They can run the football. I mean, they got a good defense. I expected that. Then when you go to Baker Mayfield, you look at Baker Mayfield's situation, he played well, but Pittsburgh didn't play well at all, so they kind of spotted them a 28-point lead, even though Cleveland had to capitalize on the turnovers and they had to score those points to win the football game. But Lamar Jackson is just interesting. You go, you, 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 in this situation, you go on the road in, in a hostile environment with, I don't know, 16,000 fans or whatever it was that was in attendance. So Tennessee has that ability to now use their fans to be as loud as they could possibly be. You got all of that stacked against this young man. And again, Zubin, I know you did not say he should play receiver. I know that. (laughs) But that narrative of 0-2, they were building it up so much that if he would have gone to 0-3, the lead story in every sports center, sports channel would be 0-3 Lamar can't win in the playoffs. 0-3 Lamar, even if Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns did what they did against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the lead story would be, 0-3, 0-3, Lamar Jackson can't do it again. No doubt. Last thing I would say, how about a big win for John Harbaugh? It's not being talked about nearly as much as Lamar because all the attention, of course, is on the quarterback. But this was Harbaugh's first playoff victory in a half dozen years. If you think about it, he's been one of the NFL's most respected coaches. Seemed to be teetering a couple of years ago, but they hung tight, drafted Jackson. Everything has changed for both the coach and and the QB. So you heard the fellows weigh in on who they think proved the most out of the 2018 first-round QB class that made the postseason. We'd love to hear from you. 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Baker, Allen, or Lamar. On the way, this is an NFL head coach who's been on the job for three years. Been to the playoffs twice. Never had a sub-500 season. And our quarterback says, it's time to fire him. His evidence next on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio. And this morning... On ESPN2. I'd be sitting here lying to you if I told you it didn't hurt. That hurt. I think I could definitely see myself back here next year. And it feels like we have unfinished business. Wherever there's a weakness, we make it a strength. Today wasn't good enough. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. 
so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. If you're waking up this morning, next Saturday, Rams, Packers, Ravens, Bills, Sunday, Browns, Chiefs, and the Bucks and the Saints, the latter of whom advanced by defeating the Chicago Bears, Yesterday, it's Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Goodyear Hotline. You just heard there from Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky. It's a pleasure to welcome an ESPN football analyst, Dan Orlovsky, on the Goodyear Hotline. Brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Okay, Dan, I know they didn't exactly have the greatest last look Yesterday, they played without Roquan Smith on defense, this young kid Mooney on offense, who they've relied on quite a bit during the regular season. But here's the brass tacks. Matt Nagy, three years on the job, three regular seasons of never being under 500 with two playoff appearances. Not a bad sample size, but you say, despite everything I just said, it's time for him to go pack and give me the rationale. It's three years of championship-level defense, Z. It's three years of the defense being good enough and three years of the offense kind of just riding coattails and never really being good enough. You know, like, to go on the road in the playoffs against a team that is the two-seed and a Hall of Fame quarterback, Nate, you hold them to 21, and you still are never in the football game. I mean, the Bears were never in the game, and it's because of their offense. Now, if Matt Nagy was a defensive head coach – we'd be having a different conversation. But he was brought there to elevate this offense. He was brought there to take Mitchell Trubisky's development to the next level. And there's been glimpses. There's there's been moments. But it just hasn't happened. And we're talking about, you know, a, a season where it took way too long for them to figure out what to do with their offense and what to do with Mitchell Trubisky. While I'll give them credit that they finally got there, it took them almost two months And again, this is three years of us waiting for this offense to take the jump. If we always hold quarterbacks to a standard of what do you do, how do you elevate those around you, then we need to hold head coaches and specifically offensive head coaches to that same conversation. When can we point to the offense in Chicago and say Matt Nagy elevated everybody? Wow, he took Mitch Trubisky and brought him here. He took these young tight ends and brought him there. He took young tailbacks or receivers and took him to different heights. That hasn't happened in three years. And so I think yesterday was one of those final straws for Matt Nagy in Chicago. What what, what if I tell you, uh, Dan, that Matt Nagy is going to surrender anything to do with the offense and he's going to bring in an offensive play caller? Because you hit something which, which is interesting. He was brought there to fix the offense. We're not talking about a defensive-minded coach that has gone to the playoffs twice in three years. We're talking about an offensive guy. But what if he decides that I'm going to just leave it alone and I'm going to bring in a guy? 
Okay, so if, he, if he's going to leave it alone and bring in a guy or give it completely to Bill Lazor, my first question goes, are they also bringing Mitchell Trubisky back? You know, because I've said this for a couple weeks now. While Mitchell has – his play has forced them to ask the conversation, okay, is he part of our future? They still have to answer the question, is he a quarterback who happens to be athletic or is he an athlete who happens to be playing quarterback? Right now, he's still an athlete who happens to be playing quarterback. And so the big question for them is if they're going to – what has Matt Nagy done as far as a, an organizer, as far as a leader, as far as a, a person with foresight within their organization to say, yes, in that head coaching role, we love them. Now we're going to allocate some of the play-calling responsibilities or um, kind of the, uh, the, the offensive viewpoint. If we're, if we're, who, who are we going to give that to, and what has Matt Nagy done within that building to prove I'm great in this role, just allow me to dominate that? Because um, I, at the end of the day, they still have the question of who's the quarterback going to be. And key, they're not in a place where they can really do much other than Mitchell Trubisky. You know, there's going to be some veterans out there, but they're going to cost them. And they're, they're a good enough team where their, their pick isn't going to be high enough to go get a guy in the early first round. So they're kind of in a very unique spot with the quarterback decision moving forward. That, that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to say, if you don't do Trubisky, have, have you, first of all, have you, have you seen enough the second time around from Mitch Trubisky, this, you know, the second half of the season where you're like, okay, because you're not going to be able to get those veteran guys that's out there. Uh, no, I haven't. You know, while Mitchell Trubisky was used better on the back six weeks of the season, I still haven't seen enough for him to go, yeah, we, we, we could pick up next year's contract. We could pick up whatever it is, the, the, the tender or the tag. I don't know exactly how it's going to work out for them, but he hasn't done enough. Again, I still think Mitchell Trubisky is an athlete who happens to be playing quarterback. And so you don't you, – you, you made kind of a, a wrong decision in the draft, and you've given him three years to show growth and show development. And while he hasn't been helped a ton by his head coach, he also hasn't helped himself enough by his play. Yesterday, the fourth down run, you gotta, you got to sell out for that. Like, you have to sell out for that. I don't care if you're laying on the field. You have to. We saw it last night with Baker on that third down scramble. Exactly. And then there's too many misses. There's too many misses. And I can't play in the NFL – I can't play strictly handcuffed knowing the only real success we can have in the pass game is the bootleg game. I, th- like, that's part of it, but it can't be the only option for us. So that reason, for that reason, I think that they're going to have to move on from Mitchell Trubisky. Dan, if you want to move on from Matt Nagy, then who's the right coach that should be in that leadership position to move forward for the Bears? Yeah, I mean, there's so many great options, Jay, right? You know, uh, I think Robert Sala, I'm super high on. Um, I think the fact that he's, one, he's dealt with adversity this year. So many head coaches get jobs because they have tons of really good players around them and they ride it to a high level of success. And it's because the players are so good and then they get to a new opportunity and they don't have those same dominant players and they don't know how to handle adversity. Robert Sala handled adversity this year in San Francisco and still thrived. I also love the fact that he's bringing Matt LaFleur's brother with him as a play caller. That offense in the NFL has been dominant right now. Obviously, Eric Bieniemy is huge. I would throw this name out super interesting. Two names. Pat Fitzgerald, uh, the head coach for Northwestern. 
loves Chicago. Um, he's got incredible ability to teach and to relate to people. That's the first name. And the second name is the guy to watch tonight. If Ryan Day for Ohio State, and I know he loves college football and he's great for college football, if he goes and twice in a matter of 10 days dominates Brent Venables at Clemson and then dominates Nick Saban's defense, it's, if I'm an NFL program, I'm calling him first thing tomorrow morning. All of them with head coaching opportunities saying, what is your interest level and what's it going to take? Oh, Dan, what, uh, let's talk about Lamar Jackson, his performance the other day. What, what impressed you about it? Because it was everything we heard from people that Lamar couldn't do. Yesterday's about Lamar Jackson. Don't, make, don't, don't get it twisted. Yesterday is about Lamar. Yesterday's about a kid in the NFL that people said, I can't play this certain way, or he can't win in the playoffs, or Lamar can't win when he goes down, or Lamar can't win unless they get to play their style of football. The only reason the Ravens won that football game yesterday were two plays by Lamar Jackson. Third and nine, the scramble when he finds Mark Andrews at the back half of the first quarter because they look like absolute trash offensively up until then. And then the scramble that you see on your screen right now because, Jay, that scramble, the defense is a really good play call. And they play it defensively really, really, really well. And it still didn't matter. It still didn't matter because Lamar was so special on that singular play. And if he's not in that game, you say, look, their defense was fantastic. I get that. But Lamar made so many plays yesterday. And after the interception, like after the rough start, everyone, you watch social media, everyone's like, here comes Lamar. I was getting text messages from Lamar, from people going, Lamar, uh, Lamar, uh, long game. And the reason Baltimore wins that game is because they got one of the special young players in the NFL. I'm happy for him. Because I get tired of people always saying the same lazy thing. He can't win this way. He can't do it that way. Who cares what it looks like? Like, who cares? At the end of the day, the guy's a fantastic young football player, and it was done under adversity. You know, they stopped Derrick Henry yesterday. He was knocked around 11 times behind the line of scrimmage on 18 carries. What did the Ravens do to bottle him up this time around? Yeah, first of all, you know, they set their edges really well on the defense. The defensive ends set their edges, edges and then squeeze their edges. That's a big deal. That's very difficult to do. Kept the ball inside of them. And then Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf and Brandon Williams, the inside, they were awesome in the run game. I actually was really impressed with the fact that early on, Tennessee was having some success throwing those one-on-one balls. Key, you know this. Like, A.J. Brown was beating Marlon Humphrey. Yes. Just in those opportunity throws. Yes. And I was sitting there going, uh-oh, Baltimore's got a problem. They cannot line up and play that one high man-to-man defense and get but, that guy down near the football, the extra they, guy down near the football, did, because they got what, a problem. What they did, Dan, with Humphrey is they, as you know, they motioned, they would line yeah. A.J. At, at, at the tight numbers, and then they would motion somebody inside of him. So typically it looked like he's in the slot, but now all of a sudden mm-hmm. Humphreys is on an island by himself. They got away from no that. Doubt. I don't understand why they got away yeah. from that. You're saying Tennessee did, yeah. 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 So um, I was really impressed with Baltimore going, nope, we're sti- we still are going to believe that our corners are good enough, and we're still going to put that extra guy down near the football. And, you know, when you – when you commit the extra number down to the football as a defense, the big thing is you have to win that rep. 
You know, sometimes defenses are going to put an extra body down near the line of scrimmage. you got to win the rep, though, when you do it. And then they're going to put some people down um, in coverage. And when they do that, they have to win the rep. And Baltimore kept winning the rep when they put the guy down near the football, uh, the extra guy down near the football. And I thought Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey were fantastic. They were fantastic for, through quarters two, three, and four. Real quick, Dan, before you go, is Ben done? Ben done unless they change their philosophy in Pittsburgh. Dude, you threw the ball 60 times last night. <laughs> What? Big Ben's 40 years old. Look at what Big Ben did compared to what, you know, Tom Brady's now doing in Tampa Bay or what Drew Brees is doing. Like, it, unless they change their philosophy offensively, then Big Ben is done. It's fair enough. You saw the tears welling on the sideline. Maybe that's an indication of something. Key initially thinks it's an indication of nothing. But just remember... 11th overall pick in 2004. It's been a long 17 years and maybe finally a changing of the guard. We will see. Dan will be a part of the college football playoff live on ESPN2, part of the Megacast tonight for Alabama and Ohio State presented by AT&T. I'll see you on the data center on the ESPN app. So Dan transitioning from the pro game to the college game. Dan, thanks for joining us and we'll look for you tonight on ESPN2 as two teams battle for one coveted championship. Thanks, Theo. All right, Danny. Now, Big Ben might be done. Maybe he won't be. But one QB from that same draft class still hanging on and should get one more ride, according to Key. He'll break it down after SportsCenter. Third down. They need three. He's got the snap. Gives the ball. Running near side left. Here comes Hunt. He's going to get to the five, and he's going in. Touchdown! The Browns lead 27 to nothing with a minute 56 left to go in the first quarter. We all saw it coming, or as Key said, you're lying if you saw it coming on ESPN 850 (laughs) WKNR. I got to throw in the fun fact. You guys know I love the fun facts. This is the Browns' first playoff win since 1994. How about this little one? The coach of the Browns that day, of course, as many of you know, was Bill Belichick. The team the Browns beat that day? was the New England Patriots. And then they went to the divisional round where they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's all coming together. The Browns are moving on. They will get the Kansas City Chiefs. They're a 10-point underdog, and we'll see it again this weekend. Baker picked up his first playoff win. So did Lamar. You just heard what Dan said. It's hard to argue. The guy's just a great football player. And how many guys, most quarterbacks, change the game with their arm one throw? As Keyshawn just went through with Dan, he did it with one run. They'll take the Buffalo Bills on next, the winner, with a trip to the AFC Championship game and a trip down to Miami Gardens tonight for the College Football Playoff National Championship presented by AT&T tonight on ESPN and ESPN Radio. It's Alabama. It's Ohio State with Jalen Waddell, the do-everything dynamo for Alabama being a game-time decision. Hasn't played since October 24th when he injured himself against Tennessee. That's a huge story to follow and you'll see the game tonight again covered 7 Eastern on TV all over the place on TV and right here on ESPN Radio and Sports Center is brought to you by Indeed. Are you hiring? You need Indeed. Indeed immediately delivers quality candidates from their resume database when you upgrade your job post. It's that simple. Receive a $75 sponsored job credit on your first post at indeed.com slash credit. Terms and conditions apply. Man, Bills fans have been waiting a quarter century to see what they saw 
over the weekend. It is time for key observations. Let's begin with Key's observations on the very first game of Super Wild Card Weekend. Coats at Bills. Well, this is the observation for me. I think Phillip Rivers should go back to the Indianapolis Colts. I thought he played well down the stretch. He didn't turn the ball over nearly as much as a lot of us thought at the beginning of the year based on the last couple years in Los Angeles with the Chargers. I think you go back to the well with him because you're probably not going to get anything better than Phillip Rivers that's out there right now. I mean, it's just – You know, you have familiarity with the offense. You understand your surroundings. You know who he is. And I know a lot of people are questioning his arm strength, but he had never really had a laser arm to begin with. He's always been an anticipative throwing quarterback with anticipation. No doubt. The Colts did enough on offense. Uh, This team certainly did not. Rams and Seahawks. Yeah, this one was a head-scratcher for me. Seattle's offensive a lack thereof, creativity on the offensive side of the ball, not understanding how to get the football to their weapons out of the same normal sets. You think about it. I sat at home, and I saw the pick six. The moment that DK Metcalf motioned outside, I knew it was a screen immediately because whenever they go into that three-by-one set, that is what they run. Williams, the defensive back for the Rams, he studied it up. He saw it. Pick six. This is on Schottenheimer Schottenheimer to be a little more creative with the offense. Hopefully in the offseason, he'll get creative. Indeed, that would be Brian Schottenheimer, the Seahawks offensive. Brian Schottenheimer. Yep, indeed, the Seahawks offensive coordinator. Now, on the other side, you just mentioned, Key, what you didn't see from the Seahawks offense. The Rams offense, John Wolford leaves the game scary neck injury. We're hearing he's okay. Transported via ambulance. Jared Goff comes in not a moment too soon. And, Key, not a moment too soon for this game. But in some ways, maybe for Jared Goff. Look, hey, if you stay ready, you ain't got get ready. And I think Jared Goff was ready. He was ready for the call when Wolford got hurt in that particular game. Jared Goff knows the offense, so it's not like he needed the reps to get it done. The one thing that you think about is the hand injury, getting the surgery. How would he take snaps from underneath center? But he was able to do it, and I think it was a gutsy performance for his team, not only himself, to be able to say, I'm ready, coach, when you need me to move on. And that, look, there will be no quarterback controversy. Going into this particular playoff game, if Wolford wins this game and they moving on and all of a sudden you start to get into this Nick Foles, mm. Carson Wentz type conversation, what if he would have gone on and continued success and won the Super Bowl? You had another repeat of Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, only this time it would be Walford versus golf. It's an excellent point and something I'm going to comment on in one minute, piggybacking on what you said. But if Wolford was a complete unknown, how about this total unknown that is now a known commodity? Tampa Bay at Washington. I, I, I don't know how the Washington football team didn't discover this guy early on. And Tyler, I think I'm going to say his name right, uh, Taylor Heineke. Correct. Yes. yes. I almost said Heineken, but Heineke as a starter <laughs> going into next season. I, I, I don't know how they didn't see this beforehand. You messed around with Kyle Allen and you messed around with Dwayne Haskins early on, and this dude was sitting there the entire time. I mean, it's been impressive the last two games. Now, look, it's a small sample size. I get it. But it's enough for me to say, you know what? This may be a bridge gap guy for us, or he may be our future. Let's take a strong look at him come the offseason. 
Heineke is 27 years old. He was going back to Old Dominion, his alma mater. He was just about to take his final exam to get his engineering degree post-football life when the Washington football team came calling. It's an amazing turn of events. And it could be an amazing turn of events for maybe the most irrelevant team in football right now. That, of course, would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Key, everything could turn if they hire Urban Meyer. He interviewed, you know you're rich, when you're interviewing on the owner's boat. He interviewed on Shad Khan's boat on Friday, and initial reporting is he's assembling a staff, so if he does take the job, they could hit the ground running. Well, I think we, when you look at it, yes, interviewing on a boat also makes you feel good, right? I mean, it just, I'm Urban Meyer, I'm sitting on a super yacht, and I'm going <laughs> to interview for this job, and I'm going to assemble a staff along the way. And I think when you look at Urban Meyer moving from the college level to the pro ranks, it's going to be fascinating because a lot of college coaches do take a stab at the pros when given the opportunity, and a lot of them fail because it becomes somewhat misery. They don't have the control. It's a little bit different going from a college game and recruiting to pro football players making millions of dollars. Your conversation with them has to be different. There is no screaming and yelling at grown men. They don't take that and run with it. They want to be talked to, respected, and I think Urban Meyer is intelligent enough to know that. Now, he needs to assemble pro football guys that have done it at the pro level, not a bunch of college guys that really don't understand the pro level, and I think he'll get it done. I'm excited to see him. If, in fact, he takes a Jacksonville Jaguar job, what will he do with the number one overall pick? Is it Trevor Lawrence? Is it Justin Fields? Or is it, I don't care, I'm moving, I'm going to build the team. Somebody else can have the number one overall pick. And the Jags have it for the first time in franchise history. Jay, your reactions to Key's observations there? No, Key's observations are always on point. The the one thing I was going to say that was interesting is just, remember week three, week four, week five, we were talking about Russell Wilson winning MVP? Hmm. Hands down the favorite. Has never gotten an MVP vote, Key. Probably won't get another one. (sighs) He'll go into, what is it, ninth year without an MVP vote? It, it just feels like yesterday, just the way he finished the season. I mean, th- throwing for the yards he threw for, you felt like that defense was finally coming around, but you felt like Russell Wilson kind of sizzled out. Just uh, disappointing, disappointing end of the season for Russ. Well, what, what, happened for, or what happened to Seattle, though, uh, Jay Will, is Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, in my eyes, they looked at what went on against Buffalo when they played Buffalo. And a lot of mistakes were made throwing the football, and things didn't go well. And he went to Schottenheimer, Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator, and they sat down and had a conversation that they needed to – Russ is cooking. That motto needs to go away. They need to try and run the football now and play defense because the defense had gotten better. So that's part of the reason that you saw Russ kind of – not necessarily struggling, but he struggled at times. But it wasn't an explosive offense anymore – because it's just something that they didn't want to get into. They wanted to do what they've always done in terms of having success. And it, it, it worked because they won the division. But then again, against the Rams, it didn't work so much. But a lot of that, when you think about it, their number one target in DK Metcalf had Jalen Ramsey on in the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Other than that long, long breakaway scramble drill play that DK Metcalf scored on, he was, he was in witness protection the entire game. Nowhere to be found, in other words. Seahawks were 5-0 and out of the gate for the first time in franchise history. Now they're history. They've been eliminated from the playoffs. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. You could save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. They love to say, 
to talk about their misfortune, shaking their head. Only in Cleveland. Only on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We're going to Cleveland next. What's it like this morning after one of the greatest days in Browns franchise history? That's on the way. We're disrespected when the media, with the comments from Juju. And- I don't regret what I said. I said the Browns, the Browns, you know, they played a hell of a game. It wasn't about that. There was no added pressure. There was no extra anything. No one believed in us besides us. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. The rest of the National Football League feels the same way, J. Will, uttering that <laughs> That's the dog pound. I think he's going with the dog pound, D-A-W-G, if I'm not mistaken, ESPN 850 WKNR. That might be the last time the Browns were relevant, but you wake up this morning, and they certainly are. Let's go right to the Goodyear hotline. Welcome in Aaron Goldhammer, ESPN 850 in Cleveland. He's the host of the really big show, and he's on this morning after a really big win. You pose this question, and I think we all know it's elation, so I'm not going to ask you what the feeling is this morning. It's pretty obvious, Aaron. You posed this question last night on your Twitter feed, and Cleveland has been a land of misery and heartache for so long. So you said, quote, this is the best Cleveland sports moment since, and you had all of your followers fill in the blank. What are some of the answers you're getting this morning? Well, for people that just love the Browns the most, that might be the greatest Cleveland sports moment of their lives. <laughs> Most people said game seven of the 2016 NBA finals, which is Cleveland's only championship in the last 55 years. Right. Um, but the Indians have gone to the world series since then uh, in October of 2016. Now they blew a three, one lead. So those feelings are a little bit complicated, but Definitely of the last five years. And for some people, you know, this is such a Browns town. It goes well beyond that. I think it's the biggest Browns win in modern football history. Wow, Goldie, how are you feeling right now? Like right this minute at 7.50 uh, a.m. East Coast time about Baker Mayfield and the way he played without Kevin Stefanski. Well, I thought there was no way the Browns were going to pay him big money this offseason. And after going to Pittsburgh and scoring 48 points in a playoff game, I might have to revise my thoughts about that. Um, 
you know, that's what franchise quarterbacks do. And the one thing he hadn't done is go to Pittsburgh and win and to do it on that stage in the playoffs. He's the guy. And, you know, I, I thought if the Browns lost, I was ready to come out today and do a show about would you trade Baker in a number one to Houston for Deshaun Watson and get Cleveland involved in that conversation. Uh, but after winning in Pittsburgh, I don't think I'd do that trade. What are you What are you feeling about and how concerned are you now that you got the Kansas City Chiefs? Do you feel like, obviously, there's an opportunity oh, and a chance, but it, how do you feel? House, house, house money. House money. All the pressure is on Kansas City. You know, Mahomes hasn't played in three weeks. The Browns aren't supposed to be here. They just won a game without three stars in their head coach because they were coming off of a COVID week in which they practiced for about 10 minutes. And they had some guy playing left guard that they picked up the sh- off, off the street a week ago uh, at the end of that game. Um, I think there's no telling what this Browns team could end up doing. And, and frankly, guys, watching all the games this past weekend, uh, I thought the Browns were the best team that played on Wild Card Weekend. So I know that might not mean that they're going to go all the way to the Super Bowl, but there are only four teams left in the AFC, and the Browns are one of them. <laughs> Goldie, but how do you feel? And I agree with you. I, I said this last week. I thought there was going to be a lot of pressure on the Chiefs considering everybody already has them penciled in to be in the Super Bowl now facing a, a hot Browns team. But Browns, the O-line, you had two guys on the O-line go out yesterday. Um, how does that affect you in the game versus the Chiefs? Oh, I, I think some, but, you know, the, the hope is that Joel Batonio is going to be back. And th- this is COVID, so it's, you know, I, I can't – I don't know what kind of symptoms he's having, if any. You know, I, I – and, and I feel bad, you know, like asking questions like that. I want to kind of respect distance and, you know, give give them space to recover. But the thought is that Batonio might be back. And Conklin's injury, he was questionable to return to the hamstring. So – you know, I think the Browns are going to have to focus on running the ball. I think they're going to have to take a different strategy now in this game going forward, right? I mean, I don't think they want to go up and down the field and get into a shootout with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think their strategy is going to be to play keep away. Uh, and NFL history is littered with teams that have been able to do this. The Giants once did it to the Bills in the Super Bowl and won the game and won the Super Bowl this way. So I, I think the Browns are going to try to grind it out against the Chiefs. And if they do that, I think there's a path for them to victory. Now, they're 10-point underdogs in this game or whatever for a reason. And they're going up against the reigning Super Bowl champs and the Super Bowl MVP and blah, blah, blah. But no team in the league, none, has faced more adversity than the Browns this year. None at all. So if there's a team that could overcome it on the road at Arrowhead and pull this off, it's probably the Browns. Love it. The dog pound is back. He is channeling it from the old days. And remember the heyday of the dog pound, 86, 87, and 89. Those are the last three times the Browns made it to the AFC championship game. And they are inching closer if they can pull off an upset for the ages to do it again this year. But they got to knock off Pat Mahomes and company. The Browns have never made a Super Bowl appearance. You got plenty to talk about on your show this morning. Aaron, really appreciate you joining us and certainly we'll be talking to you down the road. Guys, I just want to make sure I'm awake, right? Like this this this, <laughs> this, this really all happened. Wasn't a dream. This really okay, happened. I just, want to, I just want to assure Cleveland you're awake and that really happened last night. It's for real. It's for real. It was surreal, but it was real, especially that first quarter. Aaron, thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks Goldie. Guys. 
Yeah, I guess it, you you would think you're dreaming if you've been mm-hmm. bad for that long. It's been a nightmare for a long time. Now they're dreaming. On the way, the one single play that may have completely changed the narrative on Lamar Jackson.